Hello and welcome to another episode of My Soccer Story. My name is Joshua Doring. Thanks for joining me as I talk to people from across the world of soccer to learn about their journey and what the sport means to them. My guest today is Clay Dimmick, who currently serves as the captain of the Charlotte Independents in USL League One. Clay has been with the team since 2019 and played his college soccer at a Division II school called Belmont Abbey College. And I wanted to talk to Clay specifically to dive into what does it look like when you are trying to carve out a professional career and what are the challenges that come with this unconventional path that he has taken? And so our conversation covered everything from just that, how he ended up where he is today, to the talent in the lower divisions of the U.S. soccer system, and how he approaches his role as captain of the Charlotte Independents. So sit back, relax, and listen as Clay Dimmick shares his soccer story. Joining me today is Charlotte Independence defender Clay Dimmick. Clay, thank you so much for taking the time to share your soccer story. Yeah, of course. Thanks for having me. The first question I always like to ask is very simply, where do you feel like your story began? Where did you kind of start getting introduced to the sport? Yeah, I guess uh, I first got introduced to it um, by my older brother down in Texas when we were growing up. Just saw him doing it, playing soccer uh, for a local league when we were younger. And um, just like any younger sibling would do I guess I just want to be a part of it too so that was the first time I remember playing it and when did it kind of become something more than just yeah kind of this activity to to do with your brother or you know to kind of follow in the the core older brother's footsteps when did you start to kind of make it your own and feel like you really wanted to invest time and energy and resources into the sport yeah I would probably say um, sometime in the beginning of high school or end of middle school I began to see that, one, I had a big love for the game and got a lot of joy out of playing, but also I would dedicate time to it and enjoyed getting better at it and going through the struggles of it, too. So around that time, I think, um, is when I stopped playing other sports and focused on soccer and just realized that I enjoyed playing it because I had a lot of fun, but I also enjoyed um, working really hard and getting better at it, too. And when did you start to see kind of the fruits of your labor paying off where you're not just doing it because you enjoyed it, but starting to see, oh, hey, you know, I might be able to, I'm getting pretty good at this. I might be able to take it to the college level. We'll get to the the professional part of this in a minute. But when did you kind of start to realize that this might actually be something that becomes a big part of your life? Um, I would probably say towards the middle of high school, sophomore or junior year, um, I began to see that I was continuously getting better. I was probably what they call a late bloomer, so I was not at my peak of high school yet, and I was still getting better. And maybe when some kids were kind of averaging out, um, I was just getting started. So I would say around there is um, when I began to bloom or began to really succeed. You end up at Belmont Abbey College, not a school I had you know, heard very much about. You mentioned the late bloomer thing. What was the college recruiting process like for you, and how did you end up there? Yeah, honestly, for me, there was a lot of struggles in it because, like I said, I was a late bloomer in high school and um, just uh, physically as well as um, technically and tactically and all that. But I got overlooked a lot and my club team was always really good. And I had a club coach who trusted me and knew the quality I have, even if college coaches were kind of overlooking me. So at the time, I just uh, 
talked to coaches, see who was interested. And the one school that was always interested was Belmont Abbey. And then there was one down in Florida that was Division One Stetson. And then one in Alabama, UAB. And those schools, um, I had an offer from Stetson. The one in UAB was just a roster spot. And meanwhile, the Belmont Abbey coach had been recruiting me for a while. And I kind of wanted to go somewhere that would play right away. Um, but like you said, I'd never heard of Belmont Abbey either. So it was kind of like, where's this school? What is this school about? Um, and at the time, all I cared about was going in and playing right away. And I knew I had a chance to do it there. And um, I knew that they would develop me individually. And that was a big part of it as well. When you get there, when you're starting to play, are you at that point thinking, I want to turn this into a professional career? Kind of what was your mindset and how did that evolve over your college career? Yeah, so when I first went, I was just excited to be playing in college and enjoying college life. And I would say it was probably like that for freshman and sophomore year. Um, and then after my sophomore year, um, I began to see, okay, I, I can kind of tell that I'm the best player at this college, but also I was going off in the summers to play PDL, and now it's USL2. Um, and I was able to compete with guys at big Division One ACC schools, and I was starting on those teams, so I – began to realize maybe I can have a chance to play professionally and I began to dedicate more time and really get serious at it and focus everything I had into it. So going into junior year, I had that in mind and kind of gave me a goal to try to achieve. What did getting into the professional ranks look like for you? And I'm always fascinated just from a, a U.S. soccer standpoint, right? Because it's not like, okay, you go get yeah. drafted into the NFL or NBA or if if you get to an NFL training camp, then at least you're giving yourself that opportunity if you're an undrafted free agent. There are different different pathways. And obviously, right, you're not coming from a school that's sending guys to the MLS draft where you're getting in that way. What what was that like for you when you took that step and were launching your professional career? Yeah. Well, I mean, exactly like you said, that nobody was looking at Bell and Abbey to get guys signed to a pro team. And when I approached my coach in college saying, like, I wanted to do this and I think I have the ability to do it he didn't really have any connections. And so it was kind of like, all right, I'm going to have to do this on my own kind of thing. Um, and a lot of it came from playing PDL and USL too. And that brought me confidence knowing I could do it. And now I just had to get in front of coaches eyes and um, get them to know who I am and get my name out there. So a lot of it was combines, uh, getting invited into preseasons and how it happened here at the independence was just getting invited into a preseason game. And I did well and then kind of stayed in on trial and, after some time, I signed a contract, but yeah, I, was, I knew the route I would have to take. I knew I'd have to go in and prove myself coming from Belmont Abbey. Even if I had a really good college, collegiate career, it wasn't like they're just going to hand me a contract because it's some small division two school. So um, I was just looking for somebody to give me a chance and like bring me into a trial or bring me into preseason. And some clubs did. So I was grateful for that. And it worked out in the end. And what was the mental part of that for you? Because it's it's easy to kind of write every you know, every athlete's chasing this dream, wanting to play professionally, wanting to get to college, whatever it might be. And you're kind of jumping into this without much certainty at all, like you said, of just trying to find an opportunity. How do you kind of keep yourself motivated, keep yourself confident, you know, inspired to keep going as, right, this path isn't laid out for you? Kind of where did you draw the mental fortitude to keep going and keep putting yourself in front of people to eventually get the opportunity that you ended up with? Yeah, I would say two things. One is obviously my faith and like, that's where I get my foundation for how I live my life. Um, and still today it's the most important thing to me. So that was one thing that's never changing and um, always constant in my life. And then the second thing would just be 
I kind of looked at it as like a blessing in disguise. Like I get to come from this small school, get to have this background and use it as a chip on my shoulder. And nobody had been professional for years and years and years from Belmont Abbey. I think maybe one or two way back in like the 19 something, like when it wasn't really professional. Right, so right. nobody, nobody had been around as a pro. So I was like, this would be pretty cool to be the first one. And um, I think it was like an honor to do it. And um a cool chance to do so and so i think yeah my faith and then just being able to be proud of where i came from and use it as a chip on my shoulder is something that was a pretty cool experience and still is today what would you say to somebody who's now that you're you know well established into your professional career you've been doing this for a little while what would you say to somebody who is trying to carve a path similar to yours even if it's not from a d2 school just it's so difficult to yeah. kind of and obviously you know this having gone through the process to just carve out a spot for yourself in such a global sport with so many players around the world. And right. There's just players are going from country to country to left and right. What would you say to somebody who's trying to follow a path that's kind of in line with what you did? Yeah. Yeah. Like you said, it's really tough, but I think the two things that kept me going was um, to control the controllables. So everything I could control, I wanted to make sure that I was doing to the best of my ability, whether it was, my fitness, uh, my mentality, knocking on doors, um, training, stuff like that, everything I could control, I wanted to put everything I had into it so that when opportunities came, I was ready. Um, and secondly, I would just say is to believe in yourself and know that you can do it if you have the ability. Like, I think everybody knows if they do or don't. It's just about getting the right opportunity. But if you know you have the ability, then always believe in yourself because at the end of the day, the game is just a game of opinions. One coach could say you're just not good enough or he's not what you're looking for. And then the next coach, like you could be his favorite players ever seen. So um, as long as you believe in yourself, somebody's going to take a chance on you. And you have kind of had this very, I don't want to say unique because there are other players who have done something similar to you, but a different path and a different experience, I feel like within the soccer culture of this country, right? It's not just MLS. There's all kinds of other, you mentioned PDL, college ranks there's there's all kinds of and then obviously usl and the different different divisions there what do you feel like you have have learned and stand what stands out to you about just soccer culture in this country as you've experienced it at these different levels throughout your career yeah i i would say that um like being on the outside looking in obviously you see the guys who are getting drafted from really big schools and you see guys who are signing homegrown contracts nowadays and then there's like a there's like a bunch of different avenues like myself for an example or some other guys that I played with that come through small schools or come from out of the country and end up in lower divisions and you just see like there's quality everywhere you look in this country, all different levels. So I would just say like my eyes have been open to quality and players coming from all over, whether it's small schools, whether it's not even going to college, guys from overseas that fall out with the top divisions over there and just seeing them end up in second, third divisions here is pretty eye-opening and a cool experience to be a part of. And as you mentioned, you finally find a home with the Charlotte Independence. When you, you, you actually get that contract, you have, you know, it's kind of finalized. What was that like for you when this whole journey, trying to just find this opportunity, finally kind of that part of your story ends and, and now you're focused on actually building this professional career. When you finally got that opportunity, what was that like for you? What stands out now looking back yeah, just looking back, it was kind of like a sigh of relief, just how long I had been trying and how hard it was to get there. And just to get coaches to give me an opportunity coming from Belmont Abbey was tough in itself. So 
to be able to be given the opportunity to come into preseason and train with a team consistently and show that I can consistently perform was kind of like a sigh of relief. And then, like you said, as soon as I signed it, I just wanted to start playing in games. So it was like the next book opened and I was like, okay, what do I have to do to actually make a starting 11 and, and make myself known in the professional ranks? Um, but yeah, I would just say it was just a really cool moment and a sigh of relief being like, wow, we're at this now. Like now let's make a name for ourselves. And I also wanted to talk to you about the USL in general and your experience there. It's it's kind of interesting because instead of it being the top division that has these multiple, you know, top level that has these multiple divisions, it's it's the USL where you've got the championship, League One, League Two. And it's also interesting to me that, right, if just taking England, for example, you've got 500 million clubs in London from the Premier League all the way down to League Two. Mm-hmm. it's very different here because there are cities that are more than capable of hosting an MLS team that just don't have one. So as you've kind of gone to these different environments during your time with Charlotte, what have, what has stood out to you about just the USL and kind of your experience there as well as the fan experience and the fan report support that you've received? Yeah. Um, kind of similar to what I said about the players and how there's so much quality in the USL. I would say the same thing about fans and how there's so much support for uh, teams in their cities that, like you said, don't have an MLS team. So maybe the big news channels aren't covering them, but you go to the away game and you have people out there tailgating all day. You have people in the city wearing their jerseys and they're like do or die for their club. And it it reminds you of um, how much people really and truly care about their city and like where they're from and uh, the local team that's there. So I would say the support that I've seen in certain cities uh, while playing this is my fifth year so playing for these five years it's pretty eye-opening and it's really cool to see those are the some of the funnest games to play in for sure is there one a city or two that stands out in particular for you in that aspect yeah i would say for uh championship tampa bay has a great following um louisville has a great following and i'll say those two stand out for my years when we were championship and then from these past two years now, I would say Madison has a really good following and Richmond is very good as well. And then I'm biased, but I think Charlotte has the best fans <laughs> in the USL. So we have the most loyal ones, that's for sure. And what has that part of this been like for you? Again, these are just things that you don't necessarily see in other countries where you've got this club, right? Foundation's been established. It's Charlotte's team. And then all of a sudden, this MLS team also comes in. Just being in the city, obviously being a central part of the the soccer environment, what has that been like for for you and the club? You're obviously kind of working in different areas. You're not competing with with Charlotte FC, but what was that part of your journey and the club's journey like? Yeah, um, well, when we first heard the news, we were kind of shocked because we didn't think Charlotte even put a bid in. It kind of came out of nowhere, so it was pretty crazy. Um, and then when they're actually here, they've just created a more – more of a buzz throughout the city of just soccer in general. Uh, the World Cup helped that again this past year. So it's just been a bigger buzz with soccer. Um, and I think it's helped us too in a way of getting our name out there. Like people realize there's more than one professional team here. Um, and our stadium's different. Like it's not a huge stadium. Our stadium's smaller, but it's right in the city and it's more family friendly environment and easy to get to. So I think. In the end, like, I, I would like to think we've benefited from it. Like, we have a good relationship with them. They have a good relationship with us, sending players to us on loan and stuff. So, um, yeah, I think uh, we've benefited from it in the end. But I think overall, it's just created a bigger buzz for the sport in the city. 
on the USL side of this, obviously, right, you, you've kind of seen most of the league at this point. What do you want to see as the league continues to evolve and grow? What do you feel like are the, the next steps to continuing to raise levels across across the USL and across soccer, just generally in the U.S.? Yeah, I think uh, one awesome thing would be specific stadiums for the teams. Um Maybe not so much like the football stadiums that are turned into soccer stadiums, but still have the football lines. Um, Or the baseball that half the pitch is kind of raised up, stuff like that. I think that's um, something that still needs improvement. But, I mean, we have a a players union now in the USL, and that's that's a huge bonus. Those guys are awesome. So I think slowly but surely, like, it's becoming um, overall better for the players, for the fans, for the clubs. Um, and it's taking steps in the right direction. How have you seen the the club and just USL in general grow? Do you feel like over your just your time in Charlotte? Because I feel like there's somebody watching. You know, you see, okay, there are USL championship games on ESPN Plus, and the Open Cup seems like it's becoming a bigger and bigger deal every year. And just those kind of ways to get those other teams that aren't in Major League Soccer attention. What have you noticed? just kind of year-to-year growth and development? Yeah, year-to-year in the USL in general, the following for it, like the fans for certain teams, like I mentioned, um, the fans for our team, the fans for bigger clubs, it's it's all just becoming more and more well-known throughout the country um, as the sport grows in itself. And I'll just say the overall professionalism, how players are treated, how clubs are treating players um, financially, and stuff like that is just it's really improving and, and the way of life is improving from playing in the USL. So I think there's been a lot of growth. And I think there there will continue to be growth as well. And the other thing I wanted to talk to you briefly about before we kind of get to my final questions is the the leadership idea and just the the idea of the armband because yeah. I I'm a firm believer in in the power of the armband what has that been like for you and how do you approach the the responsibility that that comes with that in captaining a club yeah uh well first and foremost i think it has like a huge honor that the club and mike uh, jeffries would pick me to be the captain of a club that i call home so it was an honor when i found that out but also it's a big responsibility that i don't take for granted i know that eyes are on me i know that guys look up to me um, so I have to lead by example and lead vocally as well. Um, but I also told myself when I was named captain, I don't want to change who I am. I don't want to change what I've been doing, but I think still doing the stuff day in, day out, like still doing extra work, still talking to guys on the side, making sure their culture is good, making sure guys are um, doing what they need to do. And at the end of the day, making sure I'm doing what I need to do. And then some to show guys that I want to lead by example. So um, yeah, I think there is a, as you said, power, but I look at it as like a responsibility with the armband to um, kind of do an X plus one mentality and take on a big leadership role. And so it's something that I look forward to every day and I don't take for granted at all. And what have you learned or what kind of challenges come with, right? You, you mentioned the word culture. You're trying to create this right inclusive environment. You're trying to support your teammates where you've got teammates from literally around the world or at any time, you know, players can come and go from any country that might be, be coming onto this team. They may speak English, you know, maybe they speak some English. They've got this entire differently, you know, life story than you. What has that part of it been like just trying to get this group that's 
you know, from around the world in this global game to try and all kind of focus on, on, you know, the, the, obviously the shared goal and just trying to create that, that community and that culture. Yeah, for sure. I mean, like you said, it's tough. There's different languages. Guys have different roles in the team. Some guys play every minute. Some guys don't see the bench at all. They don't even make the 18. So, um, but I think for me and what I've learned and what I try to do is to create trust between uh, me as the captain and every other teammate on the team, whether they're a guy who is going to start every game or it's going to start one or two games or not play at all. I want them to feel just as valuable because in the, the day they are, they're in the locker room every day. They're at training every day. They have an impact on this team. I want those guys to feel just as valuable as the guy who's the first name on the team sheet. So no matter what language it is, I think trust is universal. And so I just try to create a relationship of trust and um, give them confidence in themselves and confidence in me. And um, usually that creates a good foundation for a relationship. What do you feel like you have learned about yourself through the the challenges and the growth opportunities that come with being in a leadership position like this? Yeah. Um, I've learned that, uh, it's good to kind of have a level headed throughout things because when things are going really well, it's learned to, it's easy to get high. And when things are going bad, it's easy to get low, but I've learned that having a level head in the end helps you to respond to situations with, uh, passion, not emotion. Cause when it comes emotionally, it can come out kind of all at once, loud volume, stuff like that, or you lash out, but when it's from passion and it means you, and it's from a place you care, I've learned that that goes a lot further and that means a lot more than when it comes out kind of red hot or in the moment. Very well said. And then the three final questions I always ask people first one, looking back on your career so far, what moments or memories stand out to you as some of the highlights? Um, I would say my professional debut, uh, my first professional goal. And then I would say the first game that my son came to when he was born, that was a special one as well. Very nice. It's yeah, good choices there. And then <laughs> secondly, how do you feel like the sport of soccer has shaped you as a person and kind of played played a role in developing who you are off the field? Mm, yeah, it's taught me a lot of life lessons. Um I think the the biggest one it's taught me is uh, the lesson of grit and being able to ride out challenges and not just go through them but learn things from them. So I would say that the obstacles that I've faced in my career have helped me and shaped me and give me mental fortitude through life's obstacles as well. Cause as we know, life is hard. Yeah, absolutely. And then finally, just what does your soccer story mean to you and your soccer journey? Uh, yeah. I mean, it means everything to me. Um, I was actually talking to a teammate today and I said, I'd, if I could go back in my career, I wouldn't change a thing because I think, having to grind for everything and fight for everything that I have has shaped me as a soccer player, but also shaped me as a leader and as a person off the field and as a dad and husband. So um, yeah, having to fight for everything and has helped me not take anything for granted. So I'm really thankful for the journey that I had and continue to have. <laughs> Fantastic. Clay, thank you so much for taking the time to share your soccer story. Awesome. Thanks again for having me. And thanks again to Clay for taking the time to chat with me. Be sure to subscribe to My Soccer Story wherever you listen to podcasts. The video version of each My Soccer Story episode is available on the Touchline Talk YouTube channel, and there is a written version at touchlinetalk.substack.com, so check those out as well. Thanks for listening, and I'll see you next time. Wow.